Welcome to the Hunt League Podcast, where we share hunting stories from the field that help pave the way for others to follow. 100% he's dead. And then we're standing there and we're <coughs> up on the hill. And I'm like, that's the bull. That's the bull coughing. This is your host, Jared Newman. Let's get started. All right. Welcome to the Hunt League Podcast. Today, I am sitting with Cody Peritor from Oregon. Uh, Cody, you are putting an incredible year together, and I can't wait for listeners to kind of get to hear about uh, your hunting exploits of 2022. But before we really just dive into stuff, I, I just want to hear from you. How did you find the Hunt League app? How did you get started with our community? Yeah, so I found last year when there were still few users and I should have joined, it was a podcast with Garrett. I logged on. I thought it was a cool idea, something to log your hunts. I wanted to do that. Just I had a rough year. I wanted to start keeping track of everything so that I could better myself pretty much. And uh, I, I downloaded the app, logged on, tried looking around, and the keyword is tried. Like, I didn't spend very much time with it, I'll be honest, but I opened it, and there's all these different options on what to do. I couldn't figure out how to just log something. I just gave up. It probably was about five minutes total. I gave up, put it on the back burner, and then uh, this year in about March, I feel like it was a podcast. I don't remember for sure. Might have been something to do with Outdoorsman of the Year. I might have heard it from Garrett. Uh, Garrett mentioned that he got the Western side. So I started looking into it again. And then uh, I spent a little bit more time. And it was actually really cool. I really liked the idea. I figured out how to log hunts. Most of them were after the fact. And then uh, I started tinkering with it a lot. Really liked the idea. I started looking at the community. Uh, I liked that the community didn't really care about who killed the biggest bull or buck. But rather making everybody was having a good time, encouraging each other. It wasn't, you know, the keyboard warriors that are behind the scenes just tearing each other down. I really enjoyed what you're building. And so dove in with All Feet in March, started recording all my stuff. And here we are a few months later, and we got a bunch of hunts logged. And I've really, <laughs> really grown to love the community. No, I, I love it. You have not just a, a couple hunts logged. I mean, from starting this year, if uh, if you are a current hunt league uh, member, you know, I would just, I would just say, Hey, open up the community page and type in Cody C O D Y period P, uh, at the top of the search bar on the community page. And it'll just pull up the different logs that you've posted from this year. I mean, you start seeing stuff from your Turkey season. It was you and your dad, right? That were successful. I think that's some of your early stuff was, was Turkey. Yeah. My brother too. Okay. Yeah. We all hunt together. So my main hunting partners are uh, my dad and my brother. I hunt with some of my friends too, but just work makes it difficult. I work with my dad and my brother. We, uh, my dad's parents have a nursery. My brother and I are helping run that. So um, I'm with them all the time. <laughs> so it's, it's really easy to leave work and stuff. So yeah, we, uh, I grew up hunting with them. My brother and I were all successful this year. No, well, speaking of you guys all being successful, I mean, if somebody goes in and just looks at your post from this year, what they're going to see is just in the last month and a half, the last six weeks, you filled a lot of tags. And, and it's, that's not just you personally, but it seems like you go out and you get one with your brother, you get one with your dad. That's been incredibly fun to watch. So coming to this point, here we are midway through October, and uh, you know we're honing in on Outdoors of the Year. You, you talked about like you kind of tuned in to the Outdoors of the Year, hearing Garrett talk about the Western Hunter. The kind of year you're putting together – it's it's kind of like, hey, I would not be surprised at all if you're one of our finalists this year for our Outdoors of the Year. Kind of what we look for there is just like, all right, was this a banner year for you? I mean, it's kind of like an opening question. What we want to celebrate is the person that gets out to the woods and 
you know, makes the most of their season? And is this a banner year season for you? It's been an exceptional year so far. I doubt it'll ever happen again. I've been very fortunate this year. Well, I, I certainly hope it's not the last banner year for you, but I also understand, hey, when we have <laughs> these types of years, these are the things that we're looking to celebrate in our community. So I'm excited to kind of introduce you more to our community in this podcast today. So Cody, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your hunting background. So I grew up turkey hunting with my dad. So my dad didn't grow up in a hunting family. Um, he's always been interested in it. So when he we moved to Oregon, he uh, his tile guy for his house when he was building his house, uh, invited him turkey hunting and kind of fell in love after that. Um, we used to always travel to go turkey hunting. So I remember when I was in grade school, my dad picking me up Friday afternoon, right when school gets out, and then we'd bomb four hours to the south to get to where we thought the good turkey hunting was until Onyx came around and we found out where more public land was around us. But we used to bomb down there. I remember going down there all the time. We'd go youth weekend in Oregon is like a week before the actual season opens. You can go out that weekend. So we'd have the woods to ourselves, just go down with my dad. Um, this was when my brother was too young to go with us. And we'd spend hours down there and days and we'd make multiple trips in one season just to go down there and hunt because we didn't know where else to go. And uh, so I grew up doing that every spring. That's what I look forward to. I've become very proficient, I feel, at turkey hunting. I feel very confident that it's kind of almost this year it almost got to the point where it wasn't boring exactly, but I was looking forward to elk season more than turkey <laughs> season because it's new. Because um, I've, I've killed a lot of turkeys. I feel anytime I feel like I go in the woods and I know if there's a turkey around, I've found sound. I, I feel as though it's going to die, you know, like I, I've, it lost a little jump. So I started trying to find new areas this year and stuff like that. But um, I love taking people with me, but I grew up doing that. My brother's six years younger than me. And so once he got old enough, he started traping around the woods with us. And it's pretty much been me and my dad and my brother. Yeah. I grew up turkey hunting. I started big game hunting 2018, right after I got married. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, love. Yeah. So pretty much the day we got back from our honeymoon, like, I'm pretty sure that evening or the next day, we went on a two-week honeymoon, and uh, this was before I knew dates were important for hunting. I didn't know when the opener was for elk. Uh, we got back. I knew season was open, picked up my bow, and I uh, went in the woods. I mean, I got super lucky, too, that year. I had a lot of encounters, but, uh, yeah, she didn't sign up for it. She's been a huge support the last few years. You know, we're trying to figure out that, that hunting, work, and family balance in life. Um, this year's been better. This year, like, my goal was efficiency. Uh, I spent way too much time in the woods the last couple of years. So that made it difficult. And she's been, always been supportive, but I do, uh, I do sometimes forget how important it is to be around. And so I made a lot more uh, conscious effort this year to do that. And I will in the future too. It's something all of us hunters struggle with because you just, you love the outdoors so much. You love being out there, you find your peace out there. I love it, dude. Okay. So you mentioned something right at the beginning last year, you wouldn't say that was a banner year. So what was your season like last year? And then we're going to dive in and contrast that with this year. Yeah. So last year, it was a good year. It was good. It just wasn't the best. Uh, 2020 is when I killed my first bull. Um, I love elk hunting. I've learned that elk hunting is my passion. I've done the mule deer now. I've done the blacktail now. So last year sucked for me. I didn't kill an elk last year. My brother did, though. So it was, I was able to call in a bull for him second day of season. We stepped out of the truck opening morning, and there was bulls bugling like 200 yards from us. So it was an epic year in the fact that I heard the most bugles of my entire life that season. We hunted, we can get into elk really close to my house after work, we can hunt. We hunted probably almost every day of the season last year, like literally almost every day. And 
I think we added it up. We went two days without hearing a bugle. Like it was oh, wow. an epic year in that aspect. Yeah, epic year in that aspect. The coast was on fire last year. But I didn't kill anything. Sure. I had opportunities. I didn't kill anything. So I was really kicking myself for that. My dad didn't kill anything. Um, and my brother killed his the second day of season. So uh, it was a long season, long, drawn out. You just feel defeated when you spend that much time in the woods and you still don't kill anything. Um, and then I, the next tag I had in my pocket was the, the blacktail. I almost shot one during season. That was like racers on the top of his head. I had to get my binos out to see if he even had antlers. But I'd never <laughs> killed a black tail before. And uh, we were we were set up on elk when it was happening. There were elk were bugling. And I was I used radios and I radioed my dad and them. And I was like, there's a buck here. Like, should I shoot it? You know, they pretty much told me to go ahead if you want. But I had also made a decision, a conscious choice that I don't want to kill stuff just to kill things. With my young guy, I don't want to instill that in him. I want him to kill because it gets him excited, you know. And that sounds weird. It's it's something as hunters we understand you know like you don't enjoy the process of taking something's life you enjoy the everything that leads up to it so the way that i view things is that if an animal earns it it's kind of how i view it in my mind you know if, if the bull's bugling if it's raking a tree if it gets me excited if my adrenaline goes up then the animal has earned it in my sense to where it's not lesser than even if it's a spike you, i am happy to take that animal it gets me excited and that's all i want i'm not a trophy hunter i kill the first legal animal that comes in um, I just want to get excited. Same thing with turkeys. I'm not opposed to shooting a Jake. You know, a lot of people are, it, they don't get me as excited as, as a lot of like a big Tom strutting in, but I have had some Jake's strut hard coming in, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, he earned it. He did it. He's got a show, you know, like that's just how I view things now. So that, that little buck didn't earn it. <laughs> he, he didn't get me excited. I was cool as a cucumber. I was like, if I draw back and it'd be rock solid, it just wasn't what I wanted. So I let him pass. Um, but I ended up killing a buck in the late season. I was on a, on a cow hunt because uh, I had a tag that was valid again for a cow. And uh, I was looking for a cow, and I found a buck. And I shot a buck, double-lunged it, and it was a nice three-by-three, three, one of the better bucks. Uh, there's some other people that hunt in that area, and they said it's one of the better ones that they've seen come out of the area. So I got a little spoiled on my first blacktail, but that was the only thing I killed last year, big game-wise. So last year, you, you got a blacktail. This year, you started logging hunts. I'm not going to say that because you started logging hunts is why you're being successful, but... <laughs> it's helped. I'm pretty sure it's helped. No, well, tell me a little bit. Let, let's go into 2022. Give me the rundown from March until now, and what has made this year just so special for you in the woods? So this year started off logging in March, I think probably just scouting stuff for turkeys. This year was interesting because I did some hunts without my dad, Uh he had other commitments, and it's just been a very busy year for our family business. So he didn't go sometimes. And this year, uh, right after season opened, my brother and I were hunting a piece of property that we're very familiar with, but was absolute trash this year. There was no birds there. Um, we found the only bird there, and we killed him. Um, <laughs> it was it was uh, last light, got a bird gobbling down in some thin timber. So like, uh, called him in took forever my brother and i actually both drew on him because he snuck in behind us and he gobbled right there and we turned and we both raised our guns and my brother beat me to it and uh he killed that bird but it's just it was one of those times where you feel very accomplished because most of the time my dad's doing the calling he's the like professional turkey caller he's the one who knows what to do when to do it i'm still trying to learn from him and so to go out and to do it on my own and call that bird in for my brother it's just it feels really good you know sometimes better then pulling the trigger yourself. And so that's how the season started. And then uh, we, pretty, we abandoned that property pretty quickly because there was no other birds there, no sign. Um, and then we can hunt a place about 45 minutes from us. 
and uh, there's a lot of turkeys in there. And the game is private in Oregon. I'll be straight up. The game is private in the valley. Um, the turkeys are not up on the public because most of the public is higher elevation, thick timber. There's no birds up there. And so we were hunting private, piece of private that I got access to several years ago. I've always just kept in contact with the landowner. Super nice guy. Just lets me go hunting. He's got like totals, almost 2,000 acres. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Over, over several properties. And so um, I'm actually going to get ready to take him a little care package of all some of the wild game we've killed and stuff. That's the other thing too, a little pro tip. Take care of the people who let you hunt. Um, they, they are key because we get shut down for fire and stuff a lot here too. So having private is key. Um, but we went over there and one of the first evenings we were over there, my dad and I were hunting. My brother didn't go with us. And uh, it's just my dad and I, and we were sitting there, started calling and some birds gobbled um, down in the farmer's field that we didn't have permission on. So a lot of the game here too is calling them off of private onto either other private or public and killing them on the piece you can hunt and so we're pretty close to the edge in a clearing and uh we're calling my dad's calling we're calling 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 and the birds are getting closer and closer and we had i set up a decoy in front of us maybe 20 yards i just started hunting with decoys again uh i got away from it for a little while i just kind of got in the way of everything sure just extra stuff you're packing and yeah it's just a pain in the butt carrying them around because i i use the avian x we had a Dave Smith, I think it is, the ones that are rigid when I was growing up. And I hated carrying Lucy around, man. She was a pain <laughs> in the butt. And so I got the Avian X ones you blow up, but they still, you got to find somewhere to put them. And I, I run a, a really lightweight uh, vest, so there's no room to carry it. But I started again this year getting into it because it's really nice to have them not looking for you. They're uh, focused on something. And so these turkeys, they popped around the corner. Um, it's just one mature Tom, full strut, and he's just staring down linda man he's just looking at her and he's just watching her and he strutting no sounds no nothing other than they're drumming you know and you just sit there doing that drumming and uh his we're just waiting i told my dad we'll wait we'll wait there's got there's other birds we heard multiple gobbles and sure enough he came into about 20 and his friends came around the corner and i'm like do you want to shoot the big one or do you want to shoot the jakes his little buddies behind him because again we're not picky as long as they earned it uh, we're not picky. We just want to have a good experience. My dad's uh, an opportunistic hunter also. And so he's like, I'll kill the Jake. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the, the, the big one, I center my gun. I was using a red dot sight at the time. Um, I since then changed that. But uh, I was using a red dot, brought it up, put it right on it. Wham! Bird rolls over. And then uh, started down and throw it under the bus. But he shoots. The bird jumps up and starts to fly away. And then it hits the ground and second shell out of the gun just lays him out. And so we doubled up. And so that's always fun, uh, being able to share that with my dad. And then after that, I'm trying to remember order. Might have been my dad and I again. I have to look at, uh, you know, my fancy dancy hunt log. Well, it, it, so after that, are you going to dive into more turkey? Is there more turkey that yeah. you did? I, yeah, we killed six turkeys, I think, this year. Okay, so you got you doubled up. You, you already got one with your brother. You doubled up with your dad. We're still just talking turkey. I mean, this is right after you yeah. downloaded the app. And, like, here we are as the Huntley community getting to know this new person that's starting to post stuff. We were in my element. <laughs> that's the one species I feel very confident on. Um, yeah, so we killed those ones. And then my dad and my brother went one time without me. I, I was at the business while they went hunting one morning. And they ended up killing a bird that morning. So I didn't log that because I wasn't there, obviously. But uh, they actually killed one. So we killed six total. And then, so... Uh, my brother's at two and my dad and I are both at one each. And then we went back to the same landowner that where we killed him the first time, but a different piece of property. Um, I killed one in the morning. We called it same deal, called it off of the private next to us. 
onto the private we can hunt. Um, so like pro tip, when you're trying to get permission, it doesn't always have to be where the birds are. Find places with people that are absent owners, giving away my tips, right? The people don't live there. <laughs> they don't live on the property. Um, but maybe the birds are next to it. It's very easy most of the time to call birds onto other pieces of private. Um, so that's pretty much how we, I killed my second bird. We called him off of a piece of a private that a dude had that would not let us hunt. I've asked before, um, just kind of ignores my letters. I prefer to get, do letters. Um, we called him like 500 yards off this dude's property. It jumped over the fence, ran 10 yards and boom, let him have it. Um, nice Tom. Uh, he was super wet. So like, if you look at my logs and, his fan looks all funky because he's rolling around in the mildew. Yeah, so we left the piece where I killed my bird. And as we were driving to the second piece of private, a bird flew across the street, um, landed in some person's front yard. And my dad turned to me and said, I'm pretty sure we can call that bird over. And I didn't believe him because it was some thick timber between us, maybe only a couple hundred yards max. I didn't believe him, but I, I trust his judgment. He's a very knowledgeable guy when it comes to turkeys and stuff. And I'm like, you think you can kill him? That's fine. Let's go. So uh, we actually got out. We went in the private that we can hunt, got in uh, up against the property line. We were about maybe a hundred yards off the property line and we call one bird gobbles, just hammers us. And so uh, I like, I guess it was, I guess it's going to work. <laughs> and so same thing, when we get a bird to gobble, we've been doing this long enough. I feel as though he's going to die unless something happens. So I whip out my phone. I'm calling for my dad a little bit. He's doing a little bit of calling. And uh, sure enough, the bird just starts coming through it, through this thick stuff. I couldn't believe it. In my hunt log, it's got the video of the bird getting shot. And I even said then I couldn't believe that he came, you know, because of how thick it was. And my dad's like, oh, I knew he'd come. I knew he'd come. You know? and so <laughs> we did. We called that bird in. It came in and it, it did a strut show. I had like a seven minute video on my phone of the bird just strutting in and my dad knew I was filming it, so he just he wanted to let the bird just keep coming. He got right up to the decoys, and uh, he said that was close enough, and he just let him have it. So there's a little blur for that in my hunt logs. But how long did that take? Like when you when you started calling to when the bird came over? It's like I have such a hard time getting turkeys to yeah. to commit and make the way in. And I've wondered, am I too impatient? All that stuff. So how much time yeah. do you think it took? when you started calling and he hammered back at you to when he's in by your decoys and you got videos of him strutting around? Uh, let me see if I have it in my log. It's funny to say that because I actually have the title of the log, uh, The Waiting Game Strikes Again. Um, people people are too impatient most of the time. I killed my bird around 840, 9 o'clock we were moving, and I think my dad killed his bird around 11. So by the time we hiked in, it wasn't super far. We sat there. We probably sat there for almost an hour, I would guess, from the time we first first heard a gobble the time the bird was dead on the ground was probably an hour um no moving the moving is uh, going to kill you uh just calling sporadically don't call too much the movement and the calling too much is what gets most people um but yeah we sat there for quite an hour when the bird goes quiet he's still coming that bird went quiet for a long time we'd call he wouldn't make a sound and the same thing i've noticed with elk when they do that it's because they're moving you know they're not walking and bugling or walking and gobbling they usually got to stop to do that. And so uh, the bird went quiet and we sat there. We'll sit there for a long time until we're sure he's gone. And I've sat, we've got stories, man. My brother crying when he was a kid. I, you know, we always give him crap about it, but yeah, he was a little kid. He was started crying because he said his butt hurt, his <laughs> leg hurt and stuff. And he started sliding down. But yeah, we sat there so long. Sometimes you got to be patient because it never fails. You get up, 
he'll walk the 10 yards around the corner. Bird's standing there 50 yards down the road. He's walking towards you. So, uh, yeah, I think we probably sat there for maybe an hour from the time uh, he killed us. See, I had it titled Waiting game wins again yeah i i think i'm too impatient when i've done my turkey hunts i feel like uh the bird shut up i don't know where he went all those things and i i feel like i either move or i i will overcall just trying to because i'm just wanting so bad to hear that he's still on the line mm-hmm. and i feel like i've got yeah. i need to go sit with guys like you that have, that have just that extra experience of like dude it's cool. Game is still on. It's, there's a yeah, bird coming. Here. I'll take you turkey hunting. No guarantee we'll kill anything, but I'll, I'll at least try to eat stuff. No, I'm in. And, and going with your dad, who's basically a, a master caller, I mean, that's that's pretty fun stuff. Okay, let's let's mm-hmm. skip ahead and jump out of out of turkey just because I, I don't want to lose time. And you have quite a bit of big game stuff that, that has occurred this year that I think is going to be really exciting just for people to listen to. A little bit. You really dove deep into – calling and studying calling and learning what elk are saying and and those types of things so i just wanted to ask you what resources you use because you had a really really big elk year this year and i just want to know what kind of preparation went into your season before your season ever started yeah i attribute 90 percent of my success this year to everything i learned this summer um I love learning. So, like, I listen to as many podcasts as I can and stuff, but you can only learn so much. I actually subscribed to, like, the Elk 101 course when I first started learning how to turkey uh, elk hunt. Um, I haven't done that in a few years, but I've actually been tempted to try that one again. Um, I used this year, though, for the elk calling and behavior, I used uh, row hunting resources, Chris. Um, I heard about him last year when I ran into an elk hunter um, in eastern Oregon. I ran into a guy, and he told me about them and said oh hey check him out i did and he's actually got a really affordable course um it's like i want to say if you were to do it for just like a quarter he does it by quarter system it's like 20 bucks or 24 bucks or something like that and you get access to all of his elk information and it is so invaluable it contradicts a lot of the other stuff like Corey jacobson is a huge into bugling um elk nut map last year um it was helpful but it was very hard for me to remember what to do, when you're supposed to do it, and how you're supposed to do it. Um, I, I had a hard time with that. And so this year, I wanted to really try and understand, you know, whether the elk are actually saying something or not. It makes me feel a lot better when I'm calling. It, it helps me when I feel as though I know what I am saying. Like the way that Chris explains things is that every vocalization has a meaning. And he comes at it from the aspect of that cow sounds are dominant. And that is something I could get behind because when I'm turkey hunting, I never gobbled in a turkey before. Um, and so I, I could get behind that the female sounds are what get things killed. And so the way that he explains it is, is he says, like, a last calf call or a cow call. You're saying, where are you? And then you're waiting for a response. He said, and that's what most people miss, is it's just a response. You're not asking anything of the bull. You're, just, you're not asking for an action, sorry. You're asking, where are you? And then he bugles and says, I'm over here. And then people get frustrated because he's not coming, you know, and it's like stuff like that kind of detail is what really helped me understand, okay, when I'm walking around and I'm last calf calling, I need to then switch to an assembly mew, he calls it, where you're saying, come get me, you know, and like whether that's true or not, I have no idea, (laughs) but it, it helped me. And I attribute that to some of our success. Like my brother's bull hit him with the lost cow call answered. And then we switched to an assembly mew and he came running in, you know? So it's like, I don't know. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But either way, it made me feel way better about my calling. 
And so he also talks a lot about behavior. Um, I've tried studying like the e-scouting stuff. Um, I actually subscribed to Treeline Academy this year um, by Livesey. It's his last name, Mark Livesey, I think. Um, he does Treeline Academy. It's all about elk hunting and then like the e-scouting portion of it. Super good information. Highly recommend it to anybody. Um, I've just gotten like maybe halfway through it. It's so dense in knowledge. Um, but that's all about e-scouting. And I still struggle. I still look at the map and I'm like, is this a good north-facing slope? You know, I don't know. Um, I haven't had enough hunting yet to know whether what's good, what's not. Like boots on the ground. So like I said, I've only been doing this for a few years. Didn't grow up doing it. But the, the elk knowledge, because I was just talking to Cody Monzi the other day. And he said that you basically had a good season. Like, what do you attribute it to? And I said, 100% the knowledge I gained this year. You know, the confidence and the calling is the biggest thing for me. So, it's a long-winded answer, but just some different resources I've used too. But I feel like that's a significant answer, though, because people that are wanting to figure out, like, all right, what's the differentiator between, you know, like, I didn't fill my tag this year. I really want to fill my tag next year. What are some things that I can do right now to start helping me be better prepared? Knowledge is a huge part of that game. I think capturing stuff in hunt logs and being able to look back on maps and seeing like, all right, where are these things of like where I've had encounters and not only just like where you've had encounters, because sometimes a bull has made his way to you, but where did you pull that bull from? You know, was he on this bench? Was he over feeding in this meadow? You know, there's a lot of things like that, that I feel like you can start putting some of those puzzle pieces together that will help you ultimately become more successful. I wish I could say I put those puzzle pieces together myself this year, but, uh, I had a terrible, terrible elk season in all honesty. You know, it was like we, we, I had two guys come in from out of state. Um, we were struggling with like elevation and, uh, you know, how steep the terrain was. So we were kind of constantly looking to kind of like move and make areas more accessible. And we ended up hunting in five different units over like an eight day period. And, and like, when I say five different units, like mm, when people yeah. talk about units in Oregon, a lot of time, like that's like a cut unit, but I'm talking about like. Yeah, like, like I'm talking like a GMU, yeah. which is like, you know, hundreds potentially of square miles. But we drove multiple places mm -hmm. in the state, you know, driving an hour to the next unit, then driving two hours or three hours to another area. I mean, we hunted from the western slope uh, all the way to like Colorado Springs front range stuff. So we did not have a great year, but I still put together pieces because I learned something from all those environments. I hunted through scrub oak this year. I hunted desert terrain. Those were all pieces of terrain that I've never hunted before. And like, if I were to go back to any one of those units, I'd have a better game plan next year. And it's just because of the little bit of information I logged this year, but that knowledge is power. Yeah. You spent the time in this off season acquiring some of that knowledge and putting it into practice and feeling sometimes I think like it is like what you're saying. It's like, here's what I think I'm saying to the elk and it, but you're still like, I don't know if that's really what the elk heard, but when you have a little bit of like success and something worked, it does kind of give you that confidence. And I feel like sometimes it's just that confidence to be able to go in there and execute on a game plan. And then it's like, when you see it all come together, it's huge. So let's dive into your elk season this year and how things came together. Give us an overview and then let's dive into maybe just a quick story by story on, on the different elk hunts you went. Uh, archery elk, eight days, maybe 30 hours total. And we were counting that up with my brother and we killed three bulls. <laughs> so epic. And then uh, my sister had a late, a cow tag two days, half days at that morning and uh, killed her cow. Also. 
So, like you said, banner year. Probably will never happen again. We got a good amount of luck, good amount of knowledge, skill, but uh, a lot of luck. It's a, that's insane. It that's, that's pretty much so the like 30,000. Garrett Weaver here. and I have had multiple conversations about elk hunting there on the coast, and one of the things he says, you know, he feels like his average is about one out of every 14 days you have an opportunity at an elk. Mm-hmm. You, you've already taken four elk in in eight yeah, days. Yeah, this year was crazy. I mean, that's crazy. 30 hours. Last year I spent 20-plus days that's in the 10 field. 10 hours <laughs> on average. Yeah. It's 10 hours in elk for your archery season. And I'm like – do you realize like that? That's not even one full day of hunting because archery season, you can hunt from morning till night. Mm-hmm. So give us the rundown. Let's go ahead and take it elk by elk, things that maybe you learned on that, some techniques that maybe you used to get an elk within bow range. Yeah, so um, the first two elk were my dad and mine. Um, opening day, we went out in the morning, sat water, um, where I killed my bull in 2020, so a different piece of property. There was nothing there. So we packed up, we left. I don't think we even hunted that evening. We might have. We didn't hear anything, though. Nothing worth going back to. Um, so the next day was a Sunday. So I spent Sunday at home with the family, went to church, and was hanging out. And then uh, the plan was to hunt the afternoon. My dad and my brother went out that morning, though. And they they got into elk. Um, my brother had a bugling bull. So we're talking August, like, 28th. Super early is when the season starts here in Oregon. Um, um, they got into the herd. They found them bedded down, bad wind. So they ended up actually backing out. And meanwhile, I'm at home running, putting putting on all my camo because I was going to leave, like get there for that midday madness kind of thing. Because we didn't know exactly they knew they didn't know exactly where they were to start with. But I'm like, I'll just go tramp around the woods. You know, I just want to go still hunt through the timber, see if anything makes noise. Um, they're texting me, and my brother actually called me and was like, I got the bull over here. You think I should bugle and stuff? You know, and and I'm like throwing on my camo. And I'm like, I'll be there in a little while. I'm like an hour from them at this point. And uh, I put on all my camo, threw my stuff in the truck, headed over. And they said, we're pulling out. Wind's bad. We'll come back this afternoon, maybe around three. And I told them, no problem. Um, I'm going to get there and just hike around. I'm not, I won't go to that spot because I don't want to blow them out um, due to the bad wind. So I went to a different part of the it's same general area. But I was just going to still hunt timber. And uh, started hiking in and I heard a bugle. And it came from the direction that they were hunting. It's across the draw and uh, some thin timber. And I, I told them, you know, I said, I'm, I'm going to slowly work my way over there. Um, why am I going to go look for elk when I know there's elk over here? And so uh, the bugling is what made it. I didn't want to stomp around because I didn't know where they were exactly without knowing that. But the bugling, right? How do you walk away from a bugle? So I start getting over there and I'm on top. There's a little creek drainage in the bottom. Um, I'm on one side and then it turns out the elk are on the other side and thin stuff. And uh, so I told my dad, I said, they're bugling. I texted him. I'm like, because he was planning on coming over around three. And this is maybe one o'clock in the afternoon. And I said, he's bugling, not aggressive, but he's bugling. So uh, I slowly, 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 keyword is slowly start working my way down the hill, checking the wind. In the past, I made the mistake of not being very wind conscious. And it's it's hit me in the butt many times. So I got that puffer in my hand all the time now. And so the wind was great all the way down the hill. Uh, my dad eventually got there, and he said, oh, I'll come in from the other side. We have radios. And so I told him, I said, I'm working my way in, not going to call. Bull's bugling on his own. We'll just sneak in and kill him, which is a new tactic we were trying. We know the herd. We're familiar with this property. We know the herd is huge that runs here, like 100 elk in the herd. And it makes it really hard. I actually really hate hunting that many elk because there's so many eyes. The odds of getting close to a bull are very slim. 
Um, long story short, sneak all the way down. Uh, my dad sneaks in. He's got a, a spike bedded at like 70, 80 yards somewhere in there, but no shot. And he's just sitting there watching it. And I'm sneaking in. I can hear the bugle, bull bugle. I uh, go down in the creek, come up the other side, get right to the edge of the thin stuff where I think they are. It kind of flattens out in the bottom. And of course, as soon as I stick my head up, I feel the wind hitting the back of my neck. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do, though. It's so thick there. It's not like I can just bail and go a different direction. Like people don't understand how thick the coast is. You hit walls of bushes. You just can't even get through physically, no matter how hard you try. And so you can't go around. So I just like screw it. I run up into the little clear area. I know my dad's up on the hill. And so if the elk go up there, great. At least he'll have an opportunity. If not, only a couple elk saw me. And I know this herd is huge. So uh, I start just looking around and I'm seeing spikes everywhere. A couple raghorns running around. And only a couple elk maybe winded me. It was kind of just going up drainage. So it's maybe an iffy one. And uh, the elk are all starting to move around like, whoa, what's going on? Why is Linda freaking out? You know, and uh, they start going up the drainage a little bit. And so then I, I get pinned down by some cows. I uh, thought I was going to get busted. Sneak up. They start cutting back across um, like uh, logging roads. So there's logging roads that come down the little finger ridges. And I knew that they were going to be crossing right there as a low spot. Not quite a saddle, but they started to look like they were crossing. But what I say is 100. I'm not joking. So you got time. And so I, I just guarantee my success of getting up this hill in a timely manner is all due to, shoot, what's that workout app called? I was just looking at that. Mountain Tough. <laughs> Mountain Tough. Remy Warren talks about it. I started doing that this summer. Really helps. Highly recommend it. But anyways, I boogied up that hill, got up there, huffing and puffing, man. And any legal bull is dead. And in, my, in this unit, a spike counts. So huffing and puffing. I get up. The elk are filing across the road. I, I range a tree. Trees it of about, I think it was 50. Range it. I'm like, okay, well, they're right behind it. So I dial 55 on my, my dial, my bow sight. Dial to 55. I see a spike come across. I draw back. Spike makes it across. So I'm like, crap. And then I see the next one come. And uh, I draw back. Settle. Poof, sense it. And I just see the arrow bury right into his side. I use a lighted knock. I love being able to see the flight. Um, I see it bury. And initially, I'm like, that's a little low, you know, a little low. And in my head, I'm like, shot him right in the heart, dude. Nice job, you know. And so uh, I, I radioed my dad. I said, I just shot a bull. Uh, I tell him, go do your thing. See if we can kill another one. The odds are pretty slim, right? Uh, I go and I find first blood. And I'm like, oh, look, bubble, you know. That's good. And uh, I text my friend a picture of the blood, Cody Monzi. I text him. I was like, what are you doing right now? You know, like, that's how confident I was in this hit. I'm like, the bull is dead. Probably shot him in the heart. He's piled up on the other side of the Spingle Ridge. Um, so I text him, text my brother, text my other friend, John, um, who lives not far. And I'm like, hey, who wants to come help pack meat? Like, it's not a far pack, but it's really nice when you have more people. And so uh, they all start coming. And I'm like, oh, I want to start blood trailing. My dad's still doing his own thing. I radio him. And I'm like, hey, like, where are you? I'm going to start looking for blood. He's like, I'm looking for my arrow. You know? <laughs> Just like, oh, really? Okay, you do your thing. And uh, so I start blood trailing, and worst-case scenario happens. I get 50 yards, bull jumps up. And it's been maybe a half hour since then. I thought dead bull. He should be dead. The the shot, to me, looked perfect. I was thinking heart, which is not what I was aiming for. I was aiming for lungs. Turns out the bull was walking in a diagonal away from me. Not heavy, but enough that he was probably more like 65 yards. And I shoot 550 gray arrows, so it's pretty heavy. My my trajectory is pretty steep. So 
that little bit of distance makes a big impact. And so I hit low, thought it was still in the vital. Bull jumps up, and so now I'm, like, perplexed. Yeah, you were thinking it was a heart shot. All I can see is the bull standing there, just looking around. We sat there for 45 minutes. Bull just standing there, not one step, nothing. So it's not, obviously he's not feeling good. And so I'm going to be totally transparent with how this hunt went down. It's not how I want things to go. Um, took too many arrows. It was, it was not ideal, but I, it's how hunting goes. I want to be transparent about that. Um, bull is standing there forever. I was waiting for him to fall over. Same thing. This whole time, I'm wondering, how is he still standing? The bull is to walk off slowly. And I made the decision then, I'm going to run him down. I knew I got a lot of property to run on here before I hit private. And so I'm like, got oh, a long ways to go. Um, and I got this from... Aaron Snyder, the Kafaro, uh, he talked about running down animals when he knows that it's a bad hit and that they get tired and they can't run. And so I figured I got nothing to lose. I'm gathering now that this is not a good shot because we're like an hour from the time I hit him. It's got to be liver. I'm thinking liver shot. If I had known, if I hadn't bumped him to start with, I would have, I would have left him if I'd known it was a bad hit. Um, bull starts to walk off. I make the decision, drop my pack, keep my bow with me and my rangefinder, And I start chasing the bull. I get another shot, a little bit from that, about 75 yards maybe or so. So is, is that your second shot? Okay, you cut out a se- for just a second when you were saying he was just standing, and I didn't know if when he started moving, if you had taken a shot, and then he started moving. But when he started moving, yeah, you decided, no. I'm going to go hard after him, and then you take a second yeah. shot, and this time it's at about a 75-yard distance. Is he moving when you yeah. shoot? No, so he's he's not – running like he does not feel good but i don't the blood trail was really bad that i was following so i didn't want to risk it i knew worst case i'd lose him so i figured otherwise i'll just run him and he'll be gone either way um but this way at least i will feel as though i did everything i can to get the bull down in the most ethical way i can and like i said transparency it didn't go down how i wanted uh was not as clean of a kill as i wish it would have been i have a lot more respect for the animals than this um i wish it would just been a long shot but um the bull ran off 75 yards. I draw back. And I'm shaking so bad. Mountain tough prepares you, man, for the mountains, but not for running after a bull that's wounded, jumping over logs, ferns hitting you in the leg. Um, I was shaking 75 yards. It's also that's a poke. Uh, yeah, that's a long shot. I shoot, and it hits, it, it hits him in the neck. And I'm just like, son of a gun. My one opportunity, my second shot, opportunity, I'm done. You know, like bull turns, whirls, and uh, – he takes off trotting again, and I'm just like, screw it. I got more arrows. I got nothing to lose, you know? Like, do your best to get the animal down, you know? That's what we owe to the animal. And so I chase the animal, keep chasing him. Um, we've gone several hundred yards at this point. And luckily, it's mostly downhill, so I'm actually doing okay keeping up with him. Um, I get another shot opportunity, uh, maybe 60 yards, put another arrow in it. This one was a mechanical, too. Um, I don't normally shoot mechanicals. It's something I've been interested in. My dad shoots mechanical. It's legal in Oregon. Um, a couple years ago, they did that. Um, I put in a mechanical in, it's a schwacker. It's got like a two and a half inch cut diameter. I'm just like, this thing just needs to be bleeding. Yeah. And so I draw back hard, hard quartering away. Like I'm talking, you got maybe a couple inches to sneak it off the hind quarter. But at this point, it's like arrows in the bull. You know, I'm trying to do bite by the animal and just put him down. Yeah. And so I put the mechanical on thinking maybe I'll get a hard quartering away. He'll be toast. And, uh, same thing, shaking. I don't know. We ran a few hundred yards. Been trying to be totally honest here. Bull arrow comes, hits the bull right in the butt, and I'm just, I just I'm so disappointed in myself at this point. Uh, I cannot believe this is happening. You know, like I had my opportunity. I had practiced all summer. I felt comfortable to 70 yards. You know, like what's going on? You know, and so uh, chase the bull down again. Keep chasing him. And at this point, 
I don't even have to see the bull to follow him. He's bleeding so bad. Um, the bull slows down. I catch him at about maybe 50 again. Um, I can't remember. There's so much just going on. Uh, he's mostly broadside, this shot. So this one I feel comfortable. I got on my slick trick, viper trick, draw back, settle, shoot. I hear the thwack, and he runs 30 yards and falls over dead. The last one went right through his heart. But it just was, it was honestly a horrible way for it to go down, you know? Yeah. But the the sticking with it, and the reason I share that is because people can learn from it. Like, I learned from Aaron Snyder sharing his experience of chasing animals down when he knows. And I sent him a message. I sent him a message, and I was like, thank you so much for sharing that. Because if you hadn't shared that, I would have been very apprehensive to do something like that because it goes against what everyone tells you to do. And so I told him, thank you. And he messaged back. He's like, nice job. Way to stick it out. You know, I know this is getting a little drawn out, but I felt like that was very important for people to hear because it doesn't have to always be perfect, you know, but you have to take what you're given. You take the shot opportunities you're given as long as you're comfortable with it. Right. And then you do your best to ethically get the animal down as quick as you can. Yeah. And so that's always, it just is an ugly way for it to go down. Right. But I learned, I learned a lot from that. I learned sometimes maybe to be more patient. I learned to, uh, Take the opportunity. The shots that you're given is something that I was going for this year. Also, not waiting for a perfect broadside, practicing, learning enough anatomy. So that's how my bull went down. Uh, it was just not pretty. It wasn't pretty at all. Yeah. Um, but it's full, honestly. It's how stuff goes. You know, you can't hide that stuff. People don't learn unless they learn from your mistakes. And so that was my mistake this year. Not uh, ranging the animal probably was probably the number one mistake. I should have ranged the animal, not the tree in front of him, because my up down was fine. No, sorry. My left, right was fine. Up, down was the issue. What happened is I hit just underneath the lungs. So the lungs kind of like angle up into the back of the animal. And I snuck in right underneath them. If I'd have been two inches higher, it would have been a double lung hit. But the problem was I snuck in right underneath, missed the diaphragm and everything, just got liver. And so, um, yeah, I should, I should have ranged the animals as they were crossing, but I was in too much of a hurry. So my, my tip would be to slow it down. And so that's how my animal went down. Um, like I said, I had one arrow left, wasn't happy. And then while I was standing there after the bull was dead, uh, 12 elk walked past me at 20 yards. Broadside <laughs> never even knew I was there. My brother was coming in to help me. They had all gotten there at this point. And uh, he came walking in. I'm like, you want to shoot one? You know, and he's like, no, not really. Because, you know, spoiler alert, my dad at this point, we learned, had already shot a bull also. He's like, we're not packing three in one day. And so, um, so that was my elk. And then meanwhile, while all this was going on, there's a huge disconnect. I didn't talk to my dad for a while. Um, all my friends showed up. They all came in. My friend John drove his Jetta up into the mountains, up into there. We couldn't believe he brought it up the road. But they all came in, and they started helping my dad look for his bull. He uh, he shot a spike also. And that was a spike, by the way, my bull. Um, I was happy to get anything on the ground. Like I said, I'm an opportunistic hunter. Um, the, bull, the spikes get me pumped, man. So uh, my dad shot a spike. They were finding really good blood. But uh, they couldn't find the animal, and they ended up jumping him. Same thing, and uh, but they were finding incredible blood. Like they were also same confident, like pools of blood everywhere. Blood sprayed out. Arrow went right through him. Um, they bumped him once, and so they backed out. Came help me processed ours, and then we went back to look for my dad. And then from the spot they bumped it, it was only maybe another fifty yards at most, and it was piled up. Um, he went right through bottom. Um, we're still not a hundred percent sure what killed the elk. Uh, he didn't hit liver. He didn't hit heart. He didn't hit lungs. It went like, it was low. Like a brisket shot? Right. No, not that low. Like above the sternum in the cavity. But when we dissected it, we could not figure out what vital organ he hit. 
Like it was in the cavity. So regardless, he was having a hard time breathing. He didn't hit heart. The heart had one little slice in it, but we weren't sure if it was one of us nicked it when we were cleaning him or if he's just a mechanical. So it's got a wide cutting. If maybe one of the blades nicked the heart, which I'm like, I don't know. I don't or just got a major artery. Yeah. I don't out of it. Cause it, it took it maybe a little while to die, you know, bleeding like a stuck pig everywhere. Um, so yeah, we weren't sure. We still don't know what killed it for sure to say what happened, but it did get in the cavity. It just scraped across the bottom, like right behind the heart. Um, scraped. I don't know. It was crazy, but yeah. So that's how those two all went down. Um, and then uh, after that, my brother said, "Do you have any questions?" I'm sorry, I'm skipping along. No, I I just think it's awesome that you and your dad both got a turkey the same day this year, and then you and your dad both tag out on elk the same day this year. So if yeah. you if you end up as one of the finalists for the outdoorsman of the year, I think your dad by nature should probably be right up in there with you for uh, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, I'll get like him on the Zoom one. call with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, and the other thing is, is we always joke about it. We never kill elk when we're all together. The only time we ever have killed elk together was the very first year we went hunting. We rifle hunted and we killed two bulls on opening day. It was pure luck. That was. I'll say 100% luck that we found those elk. I didn't know what I was doing. This is after my first archery season. Um, that was the only time we've all three been together. Otherwise, every single elk that we've killed, we've all been separate. You know, to me and Kyle, uh, which is my brother, or my me and my dad, or my dad and Kyle. Like, we've never been together. Um, so anyways, then Kyle told me, well, now I can be picky. You know, he's like, I don't want to hunt until they start bugling. Like, he's same same as me. He wants to have the experience. Yeah. And so he's like, well, just wait. So we didn't hunt for a week, I think, a week. Um, and then we're like, well, let's go. We went one day. We didn't hear anything. He's like, all right, we'll give it a few more days. You know, freezers are full. You know, there's no need to just go hunting for the sake of hunting. Um, he's like, I want to go out. I want to hear bugles. I want to have a bugle in my face. And so we didn't go back out for like a week and a half. It was killing me because I just want to spend time in the woods. Um, but it was a hunt he wants to have. And that's what I want to do is I want to encourage people to have the hunt they want. Like, I love hunting. Hunting's always fun. But I'm never just like, wow, let's go to the coast, you know? Yeah. Um, the poison oak and the briars are the worst. And so season's winding down. Um, got other stuff we need to get done, like at home and things like that. And uh, I had bugled maybe 100 yards, 200 yards before this, where the carcass was from the family friend that killed one. I'm like, oh, that's where he killed it. You know, we could see the carcass off on this side of the drainage. And uh, bugled nothing. So we go 200 yards up drainage, and I start with a lost calf call wham one view off in the bushes and i look at my brother and i'm just like holy crap he's like right there and so we just ditch our bikes in the side of the road i'm sitting in the ditch he runs off into the bushes i tell him go right up here get in front of these bushes and then you'll have about 20 yards down to the edge of the bush like the the next thick section small opening i said stand there i'm gonna hide here where he can't see me because like chris rowe talks about the door you know as soon as the elk get to the door they're going to stop and yeah. look. And so I said, he's going to stop and he's going to look right there. And so meanwhile, you can hear the bull thrashing trees. He's like a couple hundred yards from us. And so I get down, I start assembling you calling like, come over here, come over here. And the bull bugles again. And then I look across and I can see it's, it's like maybe only a 20 foot drop down this little Creek drainage. And then it goes up the other side and I can just see a tree shaking back and forth. Like he is rubbing the crap out of the tree. I call, call again. And the bull bugles, and he starts walking towards us, and you can just hear him. It's so thick over there. You just hear him coming through the trees. And I stop calling. And I'm like, that's what I do with turkeys, too. You want them to look for you. And so he starts coming, coming, coming. 
and I can see his antlers and I see him get to a wall of briars. Like this is how bad it is. He stops, starts like walking back and forth, trying to find a way through the briars. And eventually he goes all the way around the briars and pushes his way through, steps out. And I can see my brother's now just drawn back. I'm sitting there. I bring my phone up and I'm like trying to get a video, but I'm, I'm just over the knob to where the bull can't see me for the purposes of calling. So my video is mostly just of my brother. Um, he draws back. The bull steps out. I can see just the tips of the antlers. And the bull's got to be 20 yards. And uh, the tips of the antlers moving around his own. I'm like, that's a monster. Like, that's a nice bull. And uh, my brother shoots. Oh, no, sorry. The bull does this weird bugle. He goes, like that. Like, literally that loud. Like, you can't even hear it on the video. (sighs) Yeah, he's like, where are you? You know, like, that's all he's like, where'd you go? I know know you're close. It was crazy. I've never never heard it. Yeah, I've never heard it that quiet. And so... uh, he, he fires an arrow off and all I hear is the tearing of bushes away. And I see the bull run and I'm just like, I can't see where the arrow went. Cause I can't see him. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you just missed. I'm thinking to myself, I didn't hear a whack. I didn't hear nothing. And, uh, the bull runs off. I bugle. We can hear him tearing through the bushes out of there. And I go to my brother and I'm like, did you shoot him? You know, like, did you hit him? I drilled him. He's 20 yards. How do I miss? And I'm like, I, I sounded like you missed. You know, I thought I heard the arrow was right underneath him. And he's like, no, no, he's dead. I'm like, okay, let's go find blood really quick then. I want to know. It's, it was maybe a half hour before daylight. It's fading too. So I'm like, we need, I would rather look for him in the daylight if you're not 100% certain than at night, you know, trying to find blood. And so we look for blood, no blood. I don't see anything. Um, like, are you sure you hit him? And he finds his arrow finally. The arrow's broken off, but we hold it up to next to one of his good arrows. And he's got maybe 18 inches of penetration. And so I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you didn't hit shoulder blade. Like, you went in. And he says, I put it right behind his leg, and I let him have it, you know? And I'm like, all right, you, how confident? I mean, you know, he's like, 100%, he's dead. And then we're standing there, and we're <coughs> up on the hill. And I'm like, that's the bull. That's the bull coughing. That's good. You, yeah. know, you got chest cavity, you know? And I hate not being able to see the shot. And then my brother behind me he's googling <laughs> bull bull coughing what does it mean <laughs> you know because like i said we're not that experienced yeah. and so he's like dude this says it i got him in the chest cavity <laughs> you know I'm like well you told me you were confident in it and i was like let's go look then you know let's go let's go start blood trailing not one drop of blood this oh, entire time and it's been maybe an hour so like i felt he felt confident with the coughing we heard what almost sounded like kicking you know like their last instincts kicking I'm like, let's go look for him. I'd, I'd rather find it in the daylight, you know, and because uh, there was no blood where he shot. We followed that bull for maybe, he went maybe 150 yards, not one drop of blood at all. And so we're following him by like, hey, this briar looks like it's upside down and pulled this way, you know, like he went down this path. It, it, that is the nice part about it being so thick. There's only a few options on the trails he can take. So my brother and I split and start following different trails and, uh, same thing not one drop of blood the entire time we got so lucky that he didn't go far in eastern oregon i'd have been able to see him you know because he he didn't go far um 100 150 yards and we, my brother finally spots him and he's like he's always up on the hill above, above you i couldn't see him and he's like i think he's dead i'm like are you sure like sh- shoot him again you know <laughs> he's like no no it looks like his, his head's backwards and i'm like are you sure he's like yeah he's like i got a good shot at him if he stands up I'm like, okay, well, I'll go in and look. That way, if I jump him up, yeah, just drill him, up, you know? You hit him with another. Yeah, because he's at 35 yards. 
And like I said, it's starting to get dark. We're still within legal shooting light and all that. The photos I took and everything you can see is during the day. Um, but in the timber, it gets dark quick. I'm like, let's just get this done, you know? And uh, I crest up and I look and I can see him. He's in the only open spot there was right there. Neck all twisted backwards, bull's sideways. I'm like, dude, he's dead. You know, and I got a video of him coming up. It was a monster six point. But the cool thing was we had him on trail cameras. He only has one antler, like literally one. The other one was broke, broke off at the base, like the literal base. And it had a crack running down it going towards the skull that when we did the Euro mount, it just made it that much worse. So I, I think he was, that's why he wasn't running the herd because he was bigger than the herd bull that we had seen before, but he only had one side, huge disadvantage. So it was such a unique bull. We had had him on camera many times and we had joked about how cool it would be to shoot him and stuff, but it was a really, really nice six point. But yeah, he ended up shooting it right through the heart. So it was a great shot. But as part of that learning curve is like, oh, well, maybe it should have been a little bit higher because of the downhill. But you just get so excited. It's, only, it's his second bowl, so super excited. That's amazing. Yeah, so that was archery season. That's your archery season. Three for three between you, your dad, and your brother. And then you have a sister. Yeah, so my sister, she's not uh, big into hunting. She's, she's interested. She's learning. But anyways, she got this tag. Um, she's not – hasn't really hunted a whole lot in her life. She's done a little bit of turkey also. Um, very, very little big game but she wanted to kill an elk. And so she put in for the tag. I told her, put in for this. These are the dates I'd pick. It's less desirable dates, the end of October. And so she has a damage control tag. Um, we'd never set foot in this area. So quite a ways from our house. And uh, she was wanted to try it. So we ended up getting, my dad got a rifled barrel for his shotgun. Um, so that it was the most accurate we could get it. She was confident out to a hundred yards. I thought, let's just go hunting. Let's just go. Let's go see what we can find for you. You know, and just have fun. And so the season opened on the 15th. She just wanted to kill an elk. She was not going to be picky. Same thing like I said earlier. I want people to have, like, I, I love taking people, and I want people to have the hunt they want, not what I want. So, like, if she's happy with a yearling or something like that, maybe I'm not, or maybe someone else isn't. But who are you to say if someone should get excited or not? So she told me she's killing the first legal animal that she can. And so uh, I said, let's go. So we went out on the 15th, and we found a herd. We all split up. It's a very, it's more of a game of just driving until you can find them and then trying to make a move on it. It's all flat ground. And so there's no vantage points for glassing and there's roads that run all around. It's basically farmer's field. We get there, same thing. We split up. So I went and did a three mile loop to see any fresh sign and the fog started to lift and it was maybe 10 o'clock or so. And I raided my dad who was with my sister and I told him, Hey, not seeing anything. They said they weren't seeing anything. I uh, so, all right, well, I'm just going to go back to my truck and I'm just going to drive up and down these county roads in, into the farmer's field that we can hunt and see if we see anything. I get half a mile down the road and I'm like, holy crap, there's a herd, 100 plus elk, like so many elk. And I'm like, oh, are they on what we can hunt? Because there's a lot of private. And so I'm like looking through, looking through my Onyx and I'm like, they're on, they're on the public, I'm pretty sure. You know, I think we can hunt that. And then sure enough, they just kept working into what we can hunt when in and uh, so I radioed my dad and them and they're about a mile and a half from me. So they hiked out, it took a while. The elk moved into the timber. I watched where they were and my dad, and my sister get to me and I told them, this is where they are. Let's go. And so we get in there and um, we get to the tree line. We start walking in and it's not September. So they're not bugling, but I'm like a hundred elk can't hide forever. And being a cow, there's a lot of them, right? Like I'm feeling pretty good about it. So my dad stays back. My sister and I go forward 
and uh, we start creeping along. I told my dad, just call, call behind us every once in a while, right after we get into the trees. Please, something make noise. Nothing was making noise. And when we get in there, it looks like a highway through here. Trails everywhere. And so uh, I told him, let's just, let's just go. I told my dad to follow me because we were going to try and call one to us, but that wasn't going to happen. And so we just start going in two different directions. And I'm standing there with my sister. I, I did you hear a bugle? You know, and I, I think I just heard a bugle. And I look at her and she's like, I think I heard it too. I'm thinking to myself, like, how many elk have you heard bugle? Like, I'm like, I read it to my dad and I'm like, did you hear a bugle? I didn't hear anything. You know, <laughs> And we always give him a hard time because he's, his hearing's not the best. We always joke about the elk because we'll be, my brother and I'll be like, there's one. And like, I didn't hear anything. You know, it's just, uh, turkeys though he'll hear those suckers a mile away but um he didn't hear anything and i'm like well i'm pretty sure i did so i start going towards it and we start working our way along a creek my sister and i and then we come to this crossing where it looks like a herd went across the creek but the creek's too deep for us to go across and uh turn up the bull bugles again nothing intense you know that real lazy like bedded bugle and i'm like okay they're across the creek and so, we, and then all of a sudden I like, I do that last calf call and all of a sudden one goes, meow, 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 going crazy like that. You know, I'm like, well, that's a young one. <laughs> and and uh, so we, we get morphing towards it. The bull bugled again, I think. I think he bugled a total four times that day. I'm like, this is so cool. Like we're chasing him with a gun and you know, granted you can't kill the big one, but he's a monster. But uh, I'm like, it's so cool. You know, you're chasing him. He's actually bugling. So this is probably like the 20th, we'll say of October is a little later than that, I think, but so it's, it's catching maybe that second cycle of the cows and uh, a cow call because they the, the one that was making all the noise went quiet and sure, all of a sudden it starts going again mew, 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 right in front of us and it's getting closer. And I said, this one's coming. I said, but it probably sounds young. You know, it's, it's excited. It's looking for a, a friend. And uh, no finish quicker than I finished that. It rounds the corner in front of us and it's like 20 yards full on frontal staring right at me. And I'm just like, and like, there's one right there. So, I see it. And I'm like, it's a yearling. Like, do you want to shoot it? You know, because like I said, her choice. And she's like, no need to be greedy. <laughs> so cause it's her first elk. And so she's like, no need to be greedy. And I laughed a little bit. And she raises the gun up. And I'm like, I just start to pick my hands up to plug my ears. And bam, the gun goes off. The elk just stands there. And so she's shooting a 300 grain slug. And I'm just like, you missed <laughs> like repeat of oh my gosh. brother i was like yeah i thought you missed you know and she's like no i put it right on it and so like when this is all happening it starts it turns and it just starts to walk away which is abnormal right typically they'd spin and run and so i'm like i think you hit him you know thinking to myself and i tell her shoot him again <laughs> you know cause she's got three shells and uh she lack of hunting knowledge she reaches up grabs the little thumb lever on the shotgun pulls it back ejects out the good <laughs> shell because uh, it's a semi-automatic so it ejects the good shell onto the ground and then now the chamber's locked back so she can't get it to load the other one and then the elf walks off and i lean over and i push the button on the bottom of it goes click and loads it like it loads it automatically just keep pulling the trigger till there's nothing left <laughs> she goes oh i thought i had to rack another one and so i'm like all right, let's go look for blood. Same story as my brother. And we walk over there. Meanwhile, the elk didn't scare. I told her, I said, let's go look for blood. I'm pretty sure you missed. And there's no blood at all. And I'm like, you sure you hit it? Same thing as my brother. She's like, he's dead. You know, or it, it's dead. It's dead. Sorry. Antlerless, not a heat. It's dead. And then like, 
okay, let's go. Let's start looking. <laughs> okay. You know, I don't, I don't see any blood, you but whatever. I was like, if there's no blood in like the next hundred yards, I'm looking for another elk because I'm pretty sure you missed. Well, we get another 10 feet and it, the elk tries to stand up and then just falls right over. And uh, she's like, see, I got him. And I'm like, yeah, nice job. Like, and she's like, I'm going to shoot at him again. And I'm like, but from like having seen elk die, I'm like, no, no, like, I don't want to risk it getting enough adrenaline to just chase out of here. It's, it's dying, you know, like it's unfortunate. It is. She hasn't seen a lot of stuff die like that. Like yeah. hunting wise. I'm like, it's, it's in its final moments. There's no need to spook it. Let's just stand here quietly and let it expire peacefully, you know? Um, Cause it, our luck, you shoot it, maybe you miss, it jumps up and it runs, you know, like that's, like I said, I want to try and be as ethical as we can. And then this, I made the judgment call, let it just expire. And so she stood there, it expired quickly. And um, I see my dad behind us on the creek and I wave my hat because we're all wearing orange hats. I wave my hat and he comes over and then we all walk up on the elk together and um, she's just pumped. First elk, she actually executed a really good shot. It was perfect height. It punched, broke through two ribs, blew out the lung. And so that's why I didn't go far. And then the same thing, there was no blood. I mean, other than right where it died, where it started coughing up blood, no blood also. That was kind of weird. But yeah, so that was her elk. She was pumped. She couldn't have been more excited. But it was a really cool experience to be able to share with my dad and my sister. Because I just, I love hunting. I love sharing that with people and being able to take her and get her her first elk. And to hear bugles and to see that many elk. It was just a really, really good experience. And I'm really happy that she got to have it. Yeah. I mean, you can eat through the turkey from the spring pretty quick but uh filling four elk tags at the same fall between your family members it's like you guys you guys have elk coming out your ears right now uh every yeah every i had to go buy a freezer, freezer. <laughs> i would imagine i was like yeah. that, that might even be a second freezer yeah they're, they're probably going to need to get one more because uh their freezers like we have a chest freezer in the shop that my dad normally keeps like fishing stuff in like bait and stuff it's full to the brim of elk, like, and their freezers are full. So they're probably going to need to get one more freezer. <laughs> so it was cool. It was a super unique year. It's like I said, this will never happen again. Cause like my, those three elk we killed right off the bat was eight days of hunting. I only went seven days and they're all like pre-work or after work. So we looked, we spent less than 36 hours hunting because we spent more time on my brother's three day mule deer hunt than we did all of elk season hunting. Granted it was spread out. <laughs> That is the luxury of having out close. It was spread out over the season, but either way, I mean, we didn't hunt. We didn't hunt that much. This year was all about trying to be efficient. I got my one and a half year old, you know, I want to go home and play with him, you know, and spend time with my wife and uh, not spend as much time in the woods. And so uh, efficiency was what this year was about. And yeah, I don't know if it'll happen again. It was crazy. That's amazing. Well, give us give us a just because we're running out of time here. Try to give us a quick summary of the of the most recent mule deer hunt. Yeah, so the mule deer tag, um, so all of Oregon is draw for mule deer. Um, my brother had a, a buttload of points. My dad's been buying us points since we were little, even though we didn't hunt. Big game, uh, just in case we ever wanted to, which I'm really thankful for because it's opened up a lot. Like I'm sitting on 15 elk points, even though I just started hunting. So it's like it opened up a lot of opportunity. Um, but anyways, my brother burned points. So this, he had like eight points. This one takes half that, we'll say. Um, burned them be our guinea pig we've never been mule deer hunting turns out it's really hard that <laughs> <laughs> we were not not prepared for it. like i so my responsibility i feel is that when we go hunting is i do all of our scouting i do all of our prep um that's just my job it's what i love to do so like i scouted this for my brother 
Uh, I picked the areas. Well, together, we picked the unit, kind of giving him options based off go hunt stuff. Um, here's what we're looking at. And uh, I did all the scouting. I had going into the hunt like 200 waypoints picked out. I'm like, I've never been meal drowning, but this is what we're going to do. And so we showed up. Turns out there's people everywhere. That's crazy because it's a unit that took you several points to draw. So you just feel like yeah. when you're out there, you aren't going to run into that. Yeah, they get out a lot of tags, and which is our mistake. I'm not going to do that again, even though it's supposed to be a good unit. We killed a deer, but yeah, too many people. So we ended up, I spotted some deer the second morning, three and a half miles up into the wilderness. And I'm like, well, they're high. It was hot too. It was like 80 degrees over there. So um, I'm like, they're still high. Let's go. So we put on our pack and we loaded up all of our gear and we're going to backpack in for three days. Go see what we could find. We got, had to climb a thousand vertical feet uh, in the first mile, which don't sound hard when you're, when you're at camp thinking about it. And we're like, you know, we can go and take the long way. That's going to be like a three mile hike in, but it's only, we're almost on the same level. Or we can go this way, and it's like half the distance, but we got to go a thousand feet up in the first mile. Well, that was a mistake. Uh, it was it sucked really bad. We also it was being how dry it was because, like I said, it was eighty degrees. hadn't rained at all this year so far. It's very very dry here. Um, we carried in extra water because I didn't know what the water situation was going to look like. We've never really done the backpack hunting. We have the stuff for it. We've always wanted to. That was on my brother's list. He wanted to have a backpack hunt, so that was where we were there to fulfill that. And so. We put, loaded up. My brother and I each carried 64 ounces extra water. So I had my three liter bladder plus 64 ounces plus every, all the other gear we could carry. Packs loaded. We climbed that thousand feet. It doesn't sound far when you say it, but it's heavy. People ought to know that's a long way. We're at like 7,000 feet in elevation. I live at 100 feet of elevation. So it's like we were sucking air. We got in there and nothing's more than defeating than when you get to the top of the hill and you find a camp. So that sucked. We found a camp on a really great glassing knob and they're like, yeah, kudos dude. And so we're like, well, keep going. So we ended up getting about (laughs) two and a half or three miles in, uh, didn't see anything that night glassing the high Alpine stuff at the top of the mountain at maybe 8,000 or so. It could be higher. Um, nothing up there. We didn't see anything where I saw the does that morning. And, um, the next morning we got up, didn't see anything significant. We saw a couple deer, but, we also saw a hunter in that same area that I was looking at, which is another two miles from where we were mile and a half to two, maybe two miles as the, as the as walking mile and a half mile and quarter from the coral flies. Saw someone up there. So I talk about disappointing. Did see some goats though. So that was cool. Um, saw some mountain cool. goats, maybe like five miles away. They stand out though. So you just see these white blobs on the hill. So that was really cool. But we made the decision, like at this point, we're pretty burnt out. I had seen all the deer spotted them. I'd spotted maybe 11 deer-ish. My dad and my brother hadn't seen much. We've been split up a lot looking, trying to cover ground. So they're feeling really burnt out. And so we're like, well, let's let's just get out of here. Like there's people in here. We thought we weren't going to get see anybody back here. We're not seeing any deer. We didn't see any deer this, that morning to make us want to stay. And the guy we saw up by the couple deer we did see ended up a gunshot came from that area. So we're just like, let's just go. So we just pack up all of our stuff, dump all the extra water <laughs> that we were carrying, uh, packed up our stuff. And we're just like, let's, let's hunt our way out. Like, you know how most people say there's a North facing, very, very steep slope. Let's just walk that the two and a half miles back to the truck. 
And so while we're just still hunting through that, which three people still hunting when there's one tag doesn't really go well. Yeah. So it's more of like, well, let's maybe jump something. Yeah, that's, so, that's really um, loud. And it's just not going to work. Yeah, it's loud. There's people everywhere. We're all like split up across the hill. And so same thing. We've never been mule deer hunting. So they, we didn't know what we were doing. We were just like, well, everybody says glass. And I love the glassing. I could sit there all day. My brother did not like it. He says he stared at the same bush for six hours. And I told him, but yeah, every time you look back at the bush, there could be a deer there. You know, <laughs> I was like, that's how I felt about it. He was over it. And so they wanted to go still hunt. So we ended up jumping a deer. So you jumped a deer on your way out in that north facing stuff on the steep mm-hmm. side. Yeah. So we we're on the steep side, like a 25 degree slope. I was looking on go hunt to see what the slope aspect was. Cause that was one thing Brady Miller says to log all that stuff, where you find the deer, what slope, what aspect elevation. So I wanted to start doing that so I can start picking mule deer apart, but uh, super steep and jumped him up. Didn't spook him. Just They were just like, Whoa, what's that? And uh, I saw him. I don't know if my dad and my brother saw him. They were maybe 50 yards to my left. And I just start like snapping my fingers and like pointing ahead, like deer, deer, deer. And they see him and my brother, uh, picks his has his gun on his back so he like runs up to my dad he's like get the gun off get the gun off and he's getting the gun off so we learned some stuff but uh the deer walks and my brother starts going ahead of us moving through the trees and uh my brother said he saw one with antlers and at this point he went into this like four pointer bust <laughs> by the end of it with the lack of deer we saw because with the way people talk about this unit we were expecting to be passing up deer and uh yeah, he was like, any legal buck is in trouble. And so um, in Oregon, it's just a visible antler, whether you agree with that or not. Uh, so he's like, if it's got antler, it's dead. <laughs> so, uh, he said he saw one that had antlers. And so he, he went ahead of us. All of a sudden, I see him like running through the trees and he slips and he falls. He slides down the hill a little bit, catches his foot on a tree, picks his gun up. And you hear, boom. Oh, no. And then you see him reload and you hear, boom i'm like no no you missed you know, like, come on dude and uh and then all of a sudden you just see the deer rolling down the hill and uh yeah the first one he said he shot it was his gun is zeroed at 100 it's a 300 winchester uh short and so he, he zeroed it to 200 shooting 150 grain bullets and so it hit right over the deer's back. The deer was maybe 75 yards away. He said he just saw the dirt explode. And the deer just turned around and looked at it and was like, what was that? <laughs> Stood there. He reloaded and he punched him right through the lungs on the next one and just folded him up. And uh, so that's how we got our first mule deer. It was, it was a grind. Mule deer hunting is no joke. Like the terrain they live in. I got a respect for people that can go and kill big bucks. And like I get why people love mule deer hunting so much. It is not my cup of tea. Like I'll do it again because it's it's an interesting hunt. I told him it'd be so much more fun if you're walking along that ridge and you go, Mah! and down the bottom you hear, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that would just be so much more fun than just walking around hoping to see a little deer. But I get why people love it. It's such a challenge. Um, yeah. After that, my dad's like, I I'm not doing that. I'm gonna spend my points doing something else, <laughs> some other terrain or something. So, yeah, it, it was interesting. It was a lot of fun. Learned some stuff. Another, it took us three days, I think. That third day, I think, is when we killed him. Yeah. Dude, that is so fun. It, it is funny going into a season where, you know, all right, we're going to give this a couple days. If you hadn't have shot him on day three, how long of a hunt were you planning to be out there? Full transparency, not much longer. I mean, I was cool being there for a while. It was a grind. Like, you got to remember, 
this is the first deer my brother saw on the trip. Like yeah. without me pointing out a doe through the spotting scope that he saw for a split second, this was the first deer he saw in three days. So it's like he was getting burnt out. He didn't like the glassing game and we're there for him. You know, like if, if you want to take off, like more power to you, like, let's go. The plan was to hike out, go to a different area and spend maybe another one or two days. He's like, I don't really care that I burnt points. This was a learning experience. I learned I don't love this. You know, uh, he wants to try some. He wants to try something else. You know, we want to go do sagebrush or something next time. Uh, just a different terrain. Try something else. He's like, we learned. We came. We went. We did. It's hard. Yeah, <laughs> we're fine going home. You know, and so like we were going to spend maybe I think that was Wednesday. I think we killed him. The plan was if Friday we hadn't killed anything by Friday, we were out of there. No, man, that's 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 really a fun story, and I think it's funny that just how expectations can change. You know, like from going in oh, yeah. to saying like, <laughs> "Oh, we're gonna be passing up deer, four by four, or better or nothing," to like three days later after your body's taken a beating and you haven't seen anything. Just that mental toll that all that stuff takes, and it's like first legal buck, <laughs> it's it's dead. Yeah, and it was a nice buck. It was a three by two. So it was a nice, I don't know, maybe mature deer. I don't know that much about deer, but it was a nice buck. He was thrilled with it. It was the first buck he's ever killed. So um, he was thrilled. Yeah, so it was, it was a lot of fun. Good times in the mountains with my dad and my brother. First time we ever did the backpack experience, which we really enjoyed. Super fun, like getting way back in there and not having to worry about hiking out to the truck. Like that was that was a lot of fun. So what, a, what an incredible year. And your year still isn't done. You said you still have one more tag coming up. You've got an archery mm -hmm. blacktail hunt, um, outside yeah. of, outside of that. And maybe you're just saying one more tag. Cause that's, that's a specific tag. Do you do any, uh, waterfowl predator or anything like that? Do you have any other of those? Kind a of little, hunts? a little bit. My, uh, yeah. So I did blacktail archery starts on the 19th. I think, um, my brother is big into waterfowl. He loves waterfowl hunting. I love waterfowl hunting with my family and friends. <laughs> yeah. I, you would never catch me in the woods going out there and be like, man, I'm so pumped to go waterfowl hunting. That is not me. It's just not exciting enough for me, but I like sitting there BSing with my dad and my brother. Cause we're also, we don't take it super serious to where, uh, you know, you got your blind and you're sitting in there and you're doing this and that it's most of the time it is Cody Monzi again. His family has a, a farm with a couple of ponds. They used to have cows, so they used to be sewage ponds. They're not anymore. But uh, they're like 20 minutes from my house, and so we'd go over there, and we'd just sit on the edge of the pond into the grass, the tall grass, just BSing with each other and shooting ducks here and there. And so it's, <laughs> it's more of like a group activity. It's a great thing to take new people to do. Um, never been big into predator hunting. I'm not like Grayson. <laughs> I've, I've killed maybe a, a couple coyotes in my life, and it's, it's been like opportunistic when you're turkey hunting. Like I can remember one time when my cousin shot one when a bird was gobbling because he wanted to kill the, the coyote more. And we've tried coyote hunting. I've never killed a mountain lion. I would love to do that. Um, I just don't think I have the time to dedicate to it. Like yeah. I said, time is very valuable to me with my little guy. Um, I don't have the time to dedicate to it. And plus, I've really learned that I want to hone in on the things that I really enjoy. I would rather spend my time on a hobby that I truly love, like hunting and invest my time in that and become an expert in that opposed to being mediocre at a dozen different things. Sure. So while I'd love to kill a cougar, I don't think it'll happen. I've been playing with the idea of bear. I've got like four bear points in Oregon, which I can draw pretty much any tag I want in Oregon for spring bear, uh, except for one. But, 
I might draw that next spring because I'm really interested to try it since I liked the glassing from real deer. I think it'd be fun to spring bear hunt. Um, I'm going to go scout for my buck, t- buck uh, tag. I'll take my rifle with me because fall bear is open until the end of the year. It's a very generous season. Um, go check that out. But otherwise, no, I've, I've, big game is just recent in my life. It started in 2018 when I saw some born and raised videos, some of their early stuff on YouTube. Yeah. I think it was like three bulls in one season or whatever was the video. And I'm like, I think I can do that. You know, like <laughs> that's how it started. Cause my family was not into that. My dad had an old bow and stuff. So that's how it started. But yeah, so I haven't really branched out to too many other things, but life has really shown me what's important to me. And so far elk hunting um, has been number one and things that I would like to do. So most of my time, if I'm going to take time away from my family, it's going to be towards elk hunting. Like I'd love to go out of state. Like I want to go to out of state so bad just because everyone talks about how terrible Oregon is and like their population levels and the way things are managed over here that if you go out of state like i've heard that our our top three units are compared to any of the over-counter units out of state and so i just want to go experience it so i I really would love to pick up a tag out of state and do elk like i don't really think about doing the other stuff very much yeah because it is i mean it's it's such a big commitment to be away from family it costs a lot to go hunt out of state all those things so i hope that that is in your future uh that's been something that's been really cool for me just as i've met different people from inside the huntley community you know getting to mm-hmm. you know the the gawin brothers or gavin brothers you know they've been asking me like hey you know when are you coming up to wisconsin you want to bring your boy up let's do a turkey hunt do you want to do uh, yeah you know so it's it's fun doing the bear hunt this year with my boy in oregon I just can't even begin to tell you how special that memory was. So uh, that uh, on-point experience next year with that, Aaron. That's the one, man. That, oh, my gosh. It's going to be cool. It's going to be unreal. Dude, whoever said is going to be lucky. Like, I was listening to the podcast where you talked about it and everything I've read about, like, the little bits out that's out there. I'm just like, dude, that is going to be epic. Whoever gets that is going to have just, like, the knowledge that you're going to gain. Because, like, I've never been bear hunting. So it's like – Thinking about if I were to do that, like the amount of knowledge that someone could just, I wouldn't even know if I'd want to shoot a bear. I'd just be like, Garrett, can you just like tote me around for five no. days and show me everything, you know, like teach me. Yeah. Just let me shadow. You know, like I, if there was a bear on day one, I don't I wouldn't even shoot it because I'd be like, can we just keep hanging out so you can keep teaching? Like whoever gets that is going to get such a wealth of knowledge. Like the people that are going, aren't because you're going, aren't you? I'm I'm going, and I'm not going to deposit any bear hunting knowledge other than what I got to experience this year <laughs> with my son. But Colby Moorhead the from Bear, bear hunting, hunting Magazine. Yeah. I mean, he's coming out, and you know, he's in the sniper dude. Yeah, oh, Nick, dude. and Nick Nick's never hunted bears, but the dude can shoot. And there's some yeah. exciting stuff that like we haven't even announced yet that i'm just like oh my gosh <laughs> like that trip yeah, is just, just gonna be so epic oh it's gonna be in and it's, it's such a like a relaxing hunt to take someone even especially if it's someone that hasn't hunted a lot you know that ends up getting it like a bear hunt's just chilling you know like i was listening like garrett talks about just going and sitting on the landing and watching the unit and it's just gonna be a really cool opportunity for whoever wins that yeah. to get the all oh, the knowledge alone like the knowledge is the hard part to come by Cause like I didn't grow up doing this big game stuff, you know, and it's been a grind trying to figure it out. This year is the first year where things felt like it clicked where I was like, Oh, I know kind of what to do now. You know, but before that, when you don't have the knowledge, it's hard. So whoever's going to get that's going to get a, a huge leap up from everyone else that's starting out for bears specifically. Yeah. And even shooting, you know, like, gosh, the time with the, 
Did you say his name is Nick? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait just to watch yeah. that and pick up every little thing that I can. And, like, I think you're, people, mm-hmm. whether you're an experienced shooter or a rookie novice kind of deal, that time – like, I've been talking with Garrett, and Garrett is like, I can't wait for that because he's like, I'm looking forward to that like crazy because just to learn from somebody that has that kind of experience because, you know, when you talk to Nick, you know, and he's talking about different rifles that he's shooting and setups – He's talking about shooting five inch groups at a thousand yards, and I'm just like, I just don't That's even. crazy. I don't even know how to. Because the little stuff he doesn't even think about twice is stuff we can't even think of. You know, yeah. like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a really cool experience, and it'll probably blossom into more stuff too after that. More opportunities for different league things like that. It's got a good thing going. Oh yeah, there's been the the side conversations and the things that are happening, even with just different <laughs> companies. You know, uh, companies that are like, oh, and what if we did this? And you know, I've I've got a buddy that just retired from the military that has been flying. Uh, he's been flying the Marine One helicopter for Trump and Biden, and so he just retired. And I'm like could we do something with like a helo hunt? I'm <laughs> just like all these different mm-hmm. types of things are like, Oh my god! shoot some pigs from the helicopter <laughs> in Texas. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it's going to be cool. It's going to be a really unique experience. Yeah. Well, I know, uh, I know it's been really fun just having this time just with you getting to know you better hearing your stories. I love seeing the different posts. I cannot believe how successful you guys have been in the amount of time I mean, you have just had one of those years where it's just like, Cody, what an unbelievable experience. Freezers are full. You know, you you got more experience. You're going to be so excited going into next year. So, uh, you know, hopefully you finish out your year with a with a black tail. And uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing what those how those hunts turn out. You know, there might be a fall bear still in there. There may be some waterfowl. Or yeah, something that'll be pure luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's going to be fun, man. Well, thanks for joining tonight on uh, the Hunt League podcast. And uh, we'll be sure to keep an eye on the rest of your season. You know, from where I'm looking at it right now, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see you uh, as one of the finalists this year. Obviously, I can't predict that now, but, man, you've put up a great year. So regardless of what happens in the leagues, congratulations on an incredible season in 2022, and thanks for taking time to share your story with us. No, thank you, and thank you for having me. It was fun chatting with you. If you're new to the Hunt League podcast community, one of the things that you'll soon realize is how much I love hearing your stories from the field. Over the last several years, I've been building the HuntLink platform as a tool for hunters to be able to capture and share their unique hunting experiences. You can certainly use the app as a personal hunting journal, but it becomes a whole lot more powerful when you realize how it can be used to mentor new hunters or inspire existing hunters to take on the next challenge, whether that be a new species, method of take, a new state, or just a new tactic. You heard us talk about leagues on this podcast, which is a way that we can celebrate hunters and their accomplishments in the field Find your tribe in one of our many leagues, and if you don't find one that's a fit for you, reach out and we'll help you build a league for you and your buddies or your company or hunters just like you.